Hallelujah. It's time to hear the word of God. Lord, speak to me again. Reach out to me by your word. Are you praying? Speak your word into my life. Continue to tell God, tell God to speak his word into your life. As we go into the message, that your purpose of fellowshipping in TBOLF shall be fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name we pray. Let's be seated. I welcome you all to the presence of God. Years ago, a guest who was a bodybuilder appeared on a variety show. We all know the bodybuilders. As this fellow came out, the crowd was so excited and they started shouting because of his huge muscular body. And they began to, he began to flex his muscle and show his power. After a brief demonstration, the bodybuilder sat down and prepared to receive some questions from audience. The first question asked of him was this. What do you use all those muscles for? Without answering, the bodybuilder again stood up and began to flash his muscle, showing it to the people, to the crowd. At this time, the crowd was sharing widely. They were so excited and happy. Second time, the question was asked, what do you do with those muscles? Again, the bodybuilder flexed his muscle and became, and the crowd became more ecstatic. They become more overjoyous. After asking three times, what do you do with all those muscles? The bodybuilder just sat in silence and had no answer. You can see, the man possessed a tremendous amount of power. But his power has no purpose other than to show off and bring attention to himself. I believe that there are a lot of people in the world today that are asking the same kind of questions as they look at the church. They look inclusively at the, at the average church gathering and say, I see the beautiful building. I see the list of various activities. I hear the joyous music. I notice the smile on people's face. But what do you really do? That is the question. What do you get? Why do you get together every week? Why are you really, what are you really accomplishing? What is your purpose of existing? And like the bodybuilders, Many Christians don't have answer to this question. But these are simple questions that deserve honorable answer. We give glory to God for what the uh, authority of bread of life is doing this month and beyond. In the past week, we have been talking about the statement of faith. It was given to each and every one of us last week. You might have read it. So, we have looked at the number one, which is Godhead, the scriptures, number two, number three, the fall of man, 
Salvation through Jesus Christ, that is number four. Eternal life and new birth. Last week also we looked into number six. That is water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. So this week, we shall be talking about the fellowship that is church and its mission. At the same time, we talk about divine healing. Now, you can see like that uh, bodybuilder. If the question is asked from you, why are you here? Why are you gathering here? What is your response? Many of us believe that we are here to pray. But it's more than that. I give glory to God for the opportunity that I have to share this with you. And I hope at the end of the day, you will understand why are we really worshipping. Like I said, the fellowship, that is the church and its mission. And divine healing is what we are going to look on today. Now, I start with saying that when you hear the word fellowship, what do you think about it? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you have in mind when you hear fellowship, 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 fellowship? Many times we reduce fellowship to good meal. A fellowship with my friend in canteen, in a restaurant. At times, we... Or, the time that we go to places, sometimes we reduce fellowship to time we go to places, maybe we go with our friend for shopping, or even when we go for retreat, it's also a fellowship. For some people, fellowship means no more than coming together in church event. We say, okay, we meet at Orui Hall for fellowship by 5.30 p.m. or 4.30 p.m. So, some people, this is the fellowship they understand. Or after the service outside, we meet and discuss together. These are the fellowship that many of us understand. Meanwhile, the fellowship world in New Testament literally means a communion, an intimacy, a participation of people together in God's grace. A participation together of people in God's grace. It means to have something in common. Common participation in some either by giving what you have to the other person or by receiving from he or she, from the other person. Fellowship describes a community in which individuals willingly pledge to share in common. And bear one other's body to build up our relationship in Jesus Christ. Let's open the, our Bible to the book of Rome. Romans 12, verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Praise God. New Living Translation says, Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. This is why you need to fellowship. 
Don't remain in your shell. And that's one of the reasons why we are here. We are fellowshipping in Jesus Christ. As we go on, you will understand better. And I pray that God will touch your mind. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's look at what Hebrew says about fellowship. Hebrew 10. We look at verse 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to encourage one another. We need to lift one another up. These scriptures encourage us to worship the Lord together. But have you wondered why we are supposed to fellowship or worship together? Have you ever think of it? That's why must we? Like the bodybuilders, he was asked, Why are you be possessing all this muscle? For what purpose? The same way we need to ask ourselves, Why do we need to Worship together. But I want to tell you that when, we, when you worship together, the first and foremost reason why we worship together is to experience a special unveiling worship praise. And when that happened, who show up? Jesus Christ will show up. We can see that in the book of Matthew 18.20. Because as we worship and praise together, cross Christ show up among us in a special way. Matthew eighteen twenty. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. When you gather together in Jesus' name, you worship there, worship his name, two or three. He said he will show up. Now we are more than two. Averagely maybe with our children around four hundred. So that means we have the emphatic presence of Jesus Christ in our midst. Amen. So when you worship together, you have his presence in your midst. Fellowshipping together brings about relationship. When you fellowship with every believer through worship, this will encourage you to stay together Spiritually, there will be spiritual bond. You will be spiritually bonded together. And this will encourage you to be secured. When you pray alone, there is tendency that for you to slip off. But when, if two of you are praying, already God said, Jesus Christ said, He is going to show up. So if one is about to fall, the other one will lift him up. These are the reasons why we fellowship together. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26. There I want to highlight five points why we need to fellowship together. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Praise the Lord. Number one thing there is that we need to care for one another. When we worship together, 
we care for another. We care for one another. You will care for me. I will care for you. That is number one thing in that book of uh, First Corinthians. Number two, we need to love one another. I'm telling you why we worship together. So we need to love one another. Number three, in that same scripture, we need to nurture one another. We need to nurture one another. If we see that one is not having enough strength, or one is not up to where the level is supposed to be, we encourage him, we bring him up. We need to feel for each other. Sometimes we grieve. Sometimes various things happen. If you are an island, nobody will share your suffering. But when you fellowship with your fellow brethren, they will know what is the problem. They will know when you are to be encouraged. They will know when to bring you up. They will show their love to you. And in Bread of Life, that is what we are showing for each other. Even that we encourage you to pray. To pray for your fellow brethren. Because you fellowship together, you know what he needs, you know what he wants. You will always be there for him. Number, number five. We all have to have appreciation. When you fellowship together, we, there's need for us to appreciate one another. You appreciate what these brethren is doing for you. You appreciate what that brethren is also doing for you. Let's look at the book of Galatians 6, 1 to 3. And see what he's saying about why we need to fellowship together. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you to be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Can I have the New Living Translation? This one. Yeah. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path. Mm. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Mm. You are not that important. Praise the Lord. That is what I want us to have. We need to assist one another. We need to help one another. This is why we are fellowshipping together. We need to come together as brethren and assist one another in the area where we feel the other people need assistance. And there's a warning in verse 3. If you think you know all, you can read your Bible, I will not say it. We will not be fooled in Jesus' name. There is need for us to forgive one another. If your brethren has offended you, there is need for you to fellowship with that brethren. If you don't forgive, you will not be able to fellowship with that brethren. 
So it, it, the, the church brings us together so that we can fellowship with one another and at the same time have forgiveness as is mentioned in that book of Galatians. I want us to go back to Old Testament and look at one particular story of somebody who feels at a point that I'm the only one. I want us to see what... We will not go into the full story I will just explain to us. That is in the book of uh, King, First King 19. The story is from verse 19 to verse 19 to 18. That is the story of Elijah when he was in wilderness, lonely. He was the only one there. Elijah was lonely and discouraged in the wilderness. This was because he was not connected. But you are here, you are connected. He was there alone. If you read the story, you will discover that he was there alone. He was not connected to the other lady or to the other believers. And if you look at it, he said, but the voice of the Lord came and queried. Let's look at verse 18. If anyone has opened that verse 18. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel. The, the, the earlier verse. The earlier verse. Can you read from 17? Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Okay, go to 18. Go to 18. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Somewhere in that uh, scripture, when the voice of the Lord came to him, he was giving excuses, they were killing them, they were doing this, they were doing that. So to him, he was the only one that is left behind. He was the only one to him, that is what he believed, in the whole of Israel. But when the voice of the Lord came to him, he was giving excuses. And what God told him, God said, there were 7,000 other believers in Israel, which Elijah was not connected to. Can we say that Elijah's action is being taken to being too holy? Or self-reliance? Or God and me mentality? I'm a pastor. I don't need uh, to, to join hand with anybody to pray. Or I'm a man of God. I'm a prophet. I don't need to join hand with anybody to pray. Could it be his mentality? Could it be an ego? Believers feel depressed when they are lonely. And they, are spiritually, they will be spiritually defeated when they are lonely. When they become isolated, they can be spiritually defeated. So brethren, what I'm saying, what I'm telling you here is that there is need for us to come together. There is need for us to fellowship together. There is need for us to do things in common. And when you, are, when you are fellowshipping, it means that you share things together. Now, let's quickly move to the, what I consider to be purpose of fellowshipping together. There is a New Living Trans, uh, Translation Bible. 
in book of Matthew 28, somewhere there they said Great Commission. That there are some passages that consider as Great Commission. For those who have that, they will know that, they will see it in their uh, Bible. So let us look at the passage that is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Like I said, Matthew 28, 18-20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Praise the Lord. The concept of this passage is just before Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. This word represents declaration of command to be obeyed and his message of hope. This is the command for us, for us to fellowship together. This is command for us, for us to come together and worship Jesus Christ. There are five outlines of the Bible purposes, uh, purposes of the church. Two of these purposes are found in the Great Commandment, because I call that one Great uh, Commission, and this one I call it Great Commandment. The first is worship, which we are doing. Love the Lord your God. We are worshipping God. That is why we love Him. That is why we worship Him. The second purpose is service. That is, love your neighbor as yourself. But in the Great Commission, I will quickly highlight the three purposes to make it five. Why Jesus Christ says we should fellowship together. Number one is, go, make, go and make disciples. And this point to the purpose of evangelism. Go and make disciples. This is to the purpose of evangelism. Baptizing them. And this speaks the purpose of fellowship. And teaching them to obey. Refer to the purpose of disciple making. Number one. Is. Make Go and make disciples. Number two, baptize them. We had that last week. Then, we speak of purpose for fellowship. Why are we fellowship? To baptize them. That is what Jesus, that is, that, that is the command that Jesus Christ was giving to the disciples. And the same command is being given to you today. That you have to go and make disciples. If you have to go and make disciples. Baptizing them speak to the purpose of fellowship. Then number three, teach them to obey. And this point to the disciple making. Because just, if you just make disciple, you just make disciple, if you don't teach them to obey, you have not really fellowship. So our mission in TBLF as evangelist church is to seek and to save those that are lost. It's those that are lost. Those that are outside. So, this is, this is part of the reasons why we fellowship in this place. 
Our mission is to look for the lost one and bring them home. I will explain five categories to us as we go on. When we get there, then you can judge yourself, you can weigh yourself where you belong to. In the, the first church, that is in the Acts of Apostles, the first church, we, as we read the account of the first church, it became more clearly what exactly they were doing. Everything they were doing ended up in evangelism. Everything they were doing ended up in evangelism. Evangelism is not something planned. I know many of us, we say, after all, I'm not a leader in this church. Why should I tell my colleagues in the office that you need to come closer to God? Don't have this mindset. Every one of us have been commissioned through the Great Commission that we need to evangelize. We need to bring people to God. We need to look for the lost sheep and bring bring back Bring them back to the fold. And I pray that as we decide to do this, God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. So Jesus Christ commands us to go into the world and make disciples of all men. See, Jesus Christ is very professional. When he wanted to start his ministry, he, 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 he partnered with those that are fishing. Because they know how to fish. Ocean is a wider water. He picked them, fishers, they were fishing. That I want you to be fisher of men. The same thing you are being called today. Try to be a fisher of men. Don't wait until you are called outside here that you have been made leader, you have been made an elder, or you have been ordained as pastor. The single word you are speaking to a fellow in your office, the single word you are speaking to a fellow in your family or in your home country, that Jesus Christ is a savior. That single word can do millions of things. So we are all called to be involved in evangelism. Evangelism is not something that we need to uh, we need to, to 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 plan. It will come. It will come. As you start with first person, the second person gradually, it will come. If you look at uh, Peter and John, I think that is in Acts of Apostles 3, 1 to 26. When they were going, as they step out, step out in faith, somebody asked them for uh, mon- mon- uh, will I say money, okay? Arms. But they said, we don't have, and they pray, and they heal that fellow. People gathered and they begin to see what happened? What happened? What happened? And Peter and John, they capitalized on that people that gathered together and they began to evangelize. They begin to share the gospel. The same thing, the opportunity will come your way. You need to share that gospel. To make disciples is two sides. Two edged sword. One side is to bring new folk new folks into the fold. That is the last one. You bring them back. That is what evangelism is all about. But it's more than that. that it is also making disciples. I've explained that before. You see most church members come into the church, accept Christ, and don't go any further. That is what many of us do. We come to the church. We hear the message. That message touch our mind 
touch our life at that point, but the, immediately we are out of this place, it's off. Fellowshipping is more than this. Now, like I said, I'm going to explain five categories so you can now judge yourself where you belong. There are five categories that we can say is in the church. The first one is community. Everyone in this category are the people not in the church. These are the people that church want to bring in. That is the community. Community category. Already you are inside. So, I'm sure you don't belong to that category. Mind you, if your mind is outside, you belong to that category. That is one category. Another category is crowd. Those who come to special things, but they are not committed to the body. Maybe here I may not be able to say it, um, to, to elaborate more on it for you to understand, but I will use my country as an example. In Nigeria during the New Year celebration, during the crossover, you will see so many people that they have never been in church for the past 12 months, but for that day, they will be in the church. So these are the group of the crowd. Search your mind. If you, are, if you are coming to church every time, but your mind or your action or your, your attitude is something else, judge yourself if you belong to the crowd. The third category is the congregation. These are those people that gather together every week like we are here. We are congregation. They support the church, but they are not heavily involved. People are not heavily involved. This is congregation category. Judge yourself if you belong to that. Then we have the core. The core category. Those who live absolutely committed to the church work. They are the real leader. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking of the council member or the leadership member. No. In the presence of God, we are all equal. Even if you are not called a leader in this assembly, you are not an elder, you are not heading any ministry. But if you, are, if you have the absolute commitment to the work of the God, to the work of the church, you belong to this category. Now, I want you to weigh yourself, within yourself. Don't tell me, see where you fit in. In those five categories. Quick reminder. The community. The crowd. The congregation. The committed. And the core. See where you fit in. Now we quickly go again. Time is fast running. We need to devote ourselves to fellowship. We must dedicate ourselves to loving one another. Let's look at Acts of Apostles 2, 44-45. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, 
all the while praising God. God, God bless you, brother. The word fellowship itself means sharing together. We see, we've had what the old, the first church, what they were doing. They were sharing what they have. They were sharing it together. So there is need for us to share what we have for those who don't have. And those, and all who believe, like the first church, all, and all who believe were together and had a common they have all things in common. Now, let's have a little di- diversion to book of Philemon. One. Book of Philemon is in the New Testament. I want us to look at an interesting letter that was written by Paul. When one, uh, when Onesimus, a slave, ran away from Philemon. You can read that at your own free time. So it's a very simple letter from, uh, from Paul. One, one Simon ran away and he was hiding in Rome with Paul. And that is when Paul met him and he got converted. Then Paul now wrote a, an interesting letter to the owner, which is Philemon. And told him that he should accept his slave back. As a brother, not as a slave again. This is important of fellowship. What, what I'm trying to say when I go to that is that Paul has instructed him to receive that slave back. Not as a slave, but as a brother. That means they are all equal. In the presence of God, we are equal. As Christians, we must be able to partner with our brothers and sisters and fellowship together. Fellowship takes people of various status, culture, classes, and made them equal as brother and sister. And that is what Paul was trying to tell Philemon that don't take him back as a slave, but as a brother. This is in bread of life. We believe that we are equal, irrespective of the position or secular job that we have. We have a lot of GM here. A lot of GM. The general manager, the gate man, the whatever. We are all equal here. There is no bear that is higher than one another. We are all equal. And this is the importance of the fellowshipping in bread of life. This is one of the importance of fellowship. We have chief executive. We have somebody that you are not expecting them to, to be an usher. And they are usher. And let me tell you, an incident happened that we need to get something from the cleaner there. The reaction of those people behind is something that can make the person that went there say, why are you addressing me that way? But politely, he still say, please, I will do it. Give it to me. It was at that level that the... The fellow realized that, oh, no, this is why I'm here, I have to do it. He insisted that he's coming to do it. But the usher said, no, I'm going to do it. And this is somebody that, if it is in the job, he will never even open his mouth to address him. Not to, he will not even look at his face. But we humble ourselves because we are fellowshipping. So we need to devote ourselves to God's word. All what we are hearing. 
when you fellowship, you have to make that commitment and devote yourself to the word of God. If the fellowship that exists in this world, uh, I'm, um, if the fellowship that exists in the church exists in the world, what do you think will happen? There will be peace. There will be peace. Because here we respect ourselves, we greet ourselves, we look ourselves as equal. There is no, we are not thinking that pastor is higher than anyone, or anyone is higher than pastor. That level, like the floor here, everything is level. That is the level we are. So if the kind of peace that reigns in church, reigns in the world today, it means there will be peace in this world. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant is for the brethren to dwell in unity. When we dwell in unity, we will have peace. We all need to be involved in smaller groups. Smaller group in the church. We need to be involved. This is how we can get closer and fellowship with one another. And in Bread of Life, so series of activities are being organized just to develop this group. Starting from the home cell, we have the discipleship, uh, discipleship training, we have Haggai training, we have Victory Night. We have weekly program, we have monthly program, we have even yearly program. Example of yearly program is our end of the year, now Christmas carol is coming. Outreach that we normally have. This is part of fellowship. Whenever we are having outreach here, I know even the upper gallery is filled up. This is fellowship. Bring people to the fold. Praise the Lord. So, we need to devote ourselves to the Word of God. We need to devote ourselves to worship. We must dedicate ourselves to prayer and praise. We must be committed to coming together in joyful celebration before our Lord. That's what we are doing. When the praise and worship team are here, if you are not dancing, I'm dancing. We are dancing. We are dancing in the Lord. So, we need to worship. Act of Apostle 2.42 They devote themselves to the prayer. The question is that what kind of prayer? What is the focus of their prayer? Brother, can you read the Act of Apostle 2.42 all, all the believers devoted themselves to the Apostle's teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. And to prayer. So, what is the point of their prayer? Let's go to verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Praise God. They were praising God. They were shouting for joy. Their prayer meeting were not dull. It was not boring. It was not boring. So, in bread of life, our services are not boring. It's a life service. Even if you are sleeping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
So for those that are sleeping, please, don't make the service boring. So, God wants us to be what He has chosen us to be. It's only that we need to devote ourselves. So, the worship is noisy at times with shout of joy as we celebrate what God has done for us. So, fellowship is, an es- is essential because fellowship is comforting and encouraging through various testimony people are through this various testimony, Pastor Shane was saying here that if you have testimony for victory now, you should see Pastor Leslie and Pastor Lincoln. Sure. This testimony encourages people. When you hear about one particular testimony, somebody has been healed, somebody has been set loose, some of these have received answer to his, his or her prayer, these are the encouragement that we receive from being, from fellowshipping together. This brings about the divine healing. When we hear the testimony of fellow brethren about the divine healing that he has received, this encourages us to say that if that brother has received answer to his prayer, definitely I can as well receive it. But you, you need to have that belief only if you believe. You need to have that belief that you can receive it. Regarding divine healing, I want us to go through some series of Bible references. There may not be time for, to read all, but I will just mention a few points that where we can, at our own time, we can read to prove that, to show that uh, this is the proof that it is God's will to heal. It is the willingness of God to heal us of how many diseases? All diseases. Not just one. If you don't have money, it's a disease. Yes? They used to say illiterate, illiterate is a disease. Oh, I don't know. You see, that's another disease. <laughs> educated illiterate is also disease. If you are educated, if you don't know, ignorance is disease. So, when the Bible says it will heal of all diseases, it's not referring to when I'm feeling my temperature is high or I'm feeling some pain. So, I want you to broaden your mind, saying that focus the area where you think you need divine healing. You need promotion in the office. It's a disease because it will be bothering your mind that I'm due for this. And if God heal you, what happens? You testify. So there are many reasons why we many reasons we can give from scripture to prove that bodily healing is always the will of God for all men in every age. Healing is the atonement and therefore must be the will of God for all men for whom the atonement was made. The healing is in the atonement is plainly stated in the number of scripture. The book of Isaiah 53, I think from the book you have, or the statement you have with you, that particular one is mentioned. Isaiah 53, in the outline it says from 3, 
is from verse 4 to 5, but I want us to read from 3 to 5. Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And when we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us Praise all. Praise God. This picture Christ as bearing the sin and sickness of all men in his own body on the cross. This was Isaiah speaking. To prove that Isaiah did mean healing of the body. Instead of only forgiveness of sin, we have the statement of Matthew 8. Matthew 8, that is also in the outline. 16 to 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Our diseases. Praise the Lord. This, this, what prophet Isaiah has prophesied, is what is being confirmed in the book of uh, Matthew, 20, Matthew 8. If we look also first Peter, Peter also thought that Christ took our sickness on the cross. That is still confirming that. First Peter 2.24, because of our time we may not go into that. By whose stripe ye were healed? Peter was confirming that. With his tribe, we were healed. So Peter confirmed that both sins and sickness were atoned by Christ in his suffering. Now, quickly, because of our time, we go into some scripture to show that it is God's will to heal. Number one, it is the will of God to heal because he would not have healed people in both testaments if it has not been his will. To heal. To heal all who come in faith to him. Everyone can be healed the same way. If you look at Psalm, the book of Psalm 84, 11. 84, 11. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will not withhold no good things. From those who do what is right. If, if you go to God, if you go to Him with your diseases, like I said, it's not necessarily the body pain or whatever. Whatever you think is your diseases, if you go to God with this, God will heal you. Matthew 7 7, we know what He said. Ask, shall be given. If you read Matthew 7 7 to 11, you will see it. Even in the book of Rome, Romans 8 32. 
Because of our time now, I'm moving forward. Number two, God will not have made plain His will concerning healing if it were not His will to always heal those who meet His condition of healing. James 5. James 5, 14 to 16. Again, Matthew 8, 17. And 1 Peter 2, 20, 24. Let's look at James 5, 14 to 16. Quickly. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. That is the condition. God has stated if you are sick. James was telling us, if you are sick, call the elders to pray for you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Praise the Lord. Number three point, I'm going, I'm moving faster. The children are returning. Number three point is that uh, it was God's will that man should be healthy and sinless forever. In the beginning when God created heaven and earth, when man was created, the will of God is that we live forever. Let's look at Third John 2. Third John 2. Third John 2. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Praise the Lord. So what God designed for us is that we will not even die. We will not even suffer. We will not have any suffering. Book of Genesis 2, 17, when man was created. So the purpose of God for us is that we, sh- we should not get sick. We should not get sick. But sin crept into our life and when the sin came, then we, we, we started feeling the sickness. Number four, Jesus Christ proved it to be God's will to heal all the sick when he actually healed all that were oppressed of the devil. That is in the book of Acts of Apostles 10.38. Acts of Apostles 10.38, Jesus Christ proved it to be the God's will. It is the willingness of God. That every disease should be healed. That is why Jesus Christ has healed every disease. Number five. The universal will of God was made clear when the early church was given power to carry, out, to carry on on the work Jesus started. Uh, the, the work that Jesus started, I, I've mentioned that place that time, that Jesus has given that He has given that command. Whatever I do, you can do even more than what He has done. So it shows you it is the will of God. The healing we are talking about is beyond medical explanation. The healing we are talking about is beyond scientific proof. So this command has been given. The only thing you need to know is that you need to have your mind and believe that you can receive your healing. Number six, the fact that sickness is the work of devil proves that God's will is to get rid of it in his children. Many times some people will seek that, oh, it's God that has brought it. God never brings evil things to you. Devil only brings it. Maybe God may allow it because of one way or the other one thing you have done for you to to know who God is. Because if God is fighting your battle, if God is setting everything free on your behalf, and you, you are not even care, 
you will not know the importance of what God has done. So, devil is the only one that will come and say, look, your son. You, we all know the story of Job. Devil, he said, even though God called Satan, said, have you seen my servant Job? Satan also is monitoring each and every one. He said, look at your son. You have just bought a car for him last week. See, he's now, see what he's doing. Then something might happen that God will use that to draw your attention to himself. So sometimes, sickness is to draw your attention back to the line. So that you will not miss the road. Satan and demon will not fight to make and keep men sick. If it was the will of God for them to get sick. If you are sick, what Satan will be doing is that he will make sure that you don't get well. If it is the will of God, Satan will not fight it. He will just believe that, okay, he's sick, and he will leave it that way. On that, at 10, 38, as mentioned in 1 John 3, 8, John 10, 10, number 8. Jesus will not have died to heal men of sickness if it is the will if it is the will of God for them to be sick. And if he wanted men to bear it. Jesus has died for our sin. He has taken everything away. Every diseases have been taken away. So it is the will of God that we are healed. Number nine. Every time men ask Christ to heal, he did. He said, I will. Matthew 8, 2-7. John 5, 6. Whenever Jesus Christ asks, or somebody asks, Son of man, Son of God, my daughter is sick, do this for me, and he will. And this proves that divine healing is of God. That is what Jesus is proving there. Like I said, neither sin nor sickness come from God. For they do not belong to him, they belong to the fallen world of sinful creation. It is when you go against God that sometimes God will allow devil to use sickness to draw you back. If you are not sick, you will not go to the hospital. In fact, if devil knew that if you sick, you will go back to God, he will not allow you to sick. He will not. So number 11, it is not inconsiderate to pray in every case for healing. Believing from the whole heart that it is Already God's will. And that it shall be done according to his will. That we can substantiate further in John fifteen seven, Mark eleven twenty two to 24. Number 12. If it were not the will of God to heal, he will never have provided means of healing. Now, medically, you go to... Now, there are a lot of diseases that are going on. No solution. But people are trying. Because it is the will of God that we must be will, heal. God will open the knowledge of those people that try this, try that, try this, try that. And with that, the whole world will be set free. Praise God. So, John 14, 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, Acts of Apostles 1, 8. So, it is the will of God to heal us of every diseases that we might be going through. As a church, 
We create an environment that fosters spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. We are doing this to the glory of God in bread of life. As a church that believes in divine healing, it is necessary that we look and act like Jesus and that we take the time to pray for those who need healing in their life. Healing in their life and take the time to help them into the healing. To, the, to take them to the healing pool. That is why we have the intercession. Intercessory ministry in, the mini- in this ministry, they are praying for you. If, you. if you don't know, I'm telling you now. Every Thursday, they are praying for you. So, it is the will of bread of life that every one of us are set free. That every one of us are loose from the bondage of sickness. So, brethren, I encourage us that whatever be the disease that you think you have, like I said, don't think that physically you are not doing fine. Financially, if you are sick, if you don't have money, you are sick. If your right is not given to you in your office, it's a sickness. If you are uneducated, illiterate, it's a sickness. If you are not literate at all, it's a sickness. So, this is time for you to come closer to God. This is time for you to know that God is on the throne. To help you. Lay your, 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 whatever be your, your want, your needs before God and He shall set you free. May God bless His word. In Jesus name. Even as we come to the end of this service, let's just stand to our feet. <coughs> Just let's take a moment to see what God has spoken to us today. And to most of us who have been here over the last couple of weeks, when we have been looking at this doctrine, (coughs) let's just take a moment to think of what God has been telling us. You see, our God is a God who is so careful. He's so mindful of every one of us. That he tells us that there are things that he does. He tells us who he is. That's the Godhead. He tells us that he speaks to us through the word. Man fell. But it was God who had to come down and redeem man out of that fallen state. We learned that and we are thankful to God. But today God is telling us something different. And I want us to just recollect everything that you have heard over the last 45 or 50 minutes. We started with the fellowship of the church and its mission. And in relation to that I will take one verse which was quoted. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 25. That there should be no schism or division in the body, 
but that the members should have the same care for one another verse 26 and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it or if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it the bible doesn't tell us in verse 25 that he is going to have the same care for one another you know in verse 25 it says this that there should be no division in the body that he should have the same care for one another no it's you and i who should have a care so that's our responsibility god is telling us today yes he is there for us there's a lot that he does for us there's everything that he does for us and we thank god Just take time to thank him for a minute. But let's also thank him that he has told us that you and I have a role to play. We don't come and simply sit. We don't come and sit and then walk out and do what we want. God said, no, my family takes care of each other. You belong to me and therefore you belong to each other. You take care of each other. you will show care for your neighbor you will show love for your neighbor you will nurture your neighbor you will help your neighbor god could do it god doesn't need you he could do it but he said no that's the way i want it my children those who are called by my name those whom i have redeemed I have given them a task and that's the church. That's the church. You and I are the church. You and I are not here just to come once a week, sing songs, pray, say hi to everybody else and go out. No. It's a 24/7 job. It's the job where you and I should help each other. It's a job where you and I should be mindful of our neighbor. because if one suffers everybody suffers thank god today god has told you your role in the church we have responsibilities and yet god tells us there are times when things may not be right it may be in your body it may be in your finances it may be in various things turn to me because divine healing comes from god it is god and god alone who can make perfect all the imperfections in our life it doesn't matter what that imperfection is it may be an imperfection of health it may be an imperfection of relationship it may be an imperfection of our finances it may be an imperfection in various situations the one who can make it right is god thank god today he has made his mind clear to us father god we want to say thank you lord we thank you lord that you have indicated clearly to us lord father what is our role in your body lord father <clears throat> yes lord we thank you lord that you have called us you have picked us out of that miry clay kept us on solid ground but father god you don't want us to simply stand and be observers you want us to do and thank you lord father that today you have told us that as a church we play the church 
We don't simply sit and go. But we do what you want us to do. When you were on earth, you served. Father God, give us that mind of Christ. Where we can serve. Give us that eye of understanding. That vision where we can see where there is a need, Lord Father. And we will be there to do what you would have done had you been on earth. Thank you, Father God, that you have said that if we turn to you, you will set right all that needs to be set right. All the imperfections, you are ready to set right. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for your servant whom you have used this day. And brought these two truths to us this afternoon, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have given him that wisdom to speak to us, Lord Father. And even as he brought your word across to us, we thank you, Lord, that you have opened our eyes of understanding, Lord, that we could see you better, Lord Father. Father God, we ask that you further anoint your child, Lord Father, that he will bring us further truths in days to come. You bless him and his family, Lord Father. And I pray, Lord, that you will use them mightily in this place. Thank you, Father, for every one of us. Pray, Lord, that even as we go out, we don't wander away, Lord Father, but we will be in fellowship with each other, Lord. This fellowship is not within these four walls, Lord, but it shall continue outside. Father God, I thank you for every one of us. Be with us. Father God, I pray, Lord, that these words which you have put into our hearts this day, Lord, shall not disappear like vapor when we leave out, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that it shall embed itself in our heart, take root, and shall bear fruit. We thank you, Lord. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.